We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jesse, you've got a little bit of a hard out tonight, so are you ready for some rapid fire? I am ready for some rapid fire. Yeah, I got to be able to get in to the gym, get warmed up. Big big game tonight, game three of the season in the YMCA Basketball League. All right, all right. What's what's the record so far? Uh, we are one and one, but in the first game, we basically were the, the guinea pig because we played a team that wasn't supposed to be in our division, and so we got kind of thumped by a team that was better than the division that we were playing in. So I, I say we throw that game out. We're a solid 1-0. I'm averaging like 5-5-5-5 five, 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 five a game, five points, five assists, five rebounds, and five right. hard fouls. So Nothing. <laughs> five hard fouls. All right. Going for the Draymond Green of uh Yeah, that's, that's why I'm modeling now. my game around in the <laughs> Cleveland YMCA League. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, how about this one? Which Alabama departure impacts Notre Dame more, Tommy Reese or Tyler Buckner? I'm going to go with Tyler Buckner because, you know, offenses in college game are very ever-changing. Um, you're going to see, you know, a, 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 you're going to see a lot of offensive coordinators kind of on the move. It's it's the, you know, it's the, it's the natural process of college football, in my opinion. Um, and I think that Tyler Buckner was more important because of what he provided, you know, at a depth level. We saw what happened last year when the starting quarterback went out. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen to Sam Hartman, you know, knock on wood. I hope it doesn't happen. Um, but it, I would feel a lot better with Tyler Buckner here if something like that did happen. And even more so, I think that, you know, Tyler Buckner was going to see the field at times, too. I was very excited to see, you know, what kind of personnel packages he would be in for. Um, I think, you know, inside the 30, he definitely could be effective with his legs um, and seeing him as, you know, a developed thrower from the start of last season to the end of the bowl game. He, he made strides in that as well. So I think he was going to be a real dual threat at quarterback um, and really apply pressure, you know, to defenses within the red zone. So I think that schematically he was going to be a great chess piece. Um, and then obviously he was going to be. Um, a good depth piece in terms of, you know, backing up Sam Hartman on a consistent basis. I think short term, it's Tommy Reese, bigger picture, it's Tyler Buckner. And I'm not saying that as a cop out. So like my answer is Tyler Buckner, 
short term because of some of the issues that you were talking about earlier. You do have a new offensive coordinator, Jared Parker, a relatively inexperienced offensive coordinator. But at the same time, Tommy Reese was less experienced than Jared Parker when he actually took over as offensive coordinator a few years ago. So, again, I, th I think you, you've now got a guy who shares the head coach's vision a little bit more. And then you also bring in Gino Gadouli, who is just the quarterback's coach. And so between those two guys, when you look at recruiting, I think that Notre Dame is potentially going to be in a better place, you know, like with the, the vision of what they want at the quarterback and their ability to recruit at a higher level at the quarterback position, something that, you know, has really, you know, let's let's be honest, when you're talking about becoming an elite program, one of the things that Notre Dame needed to improve to to actually be able to compete, be more competitive in those college football playoff games when they get there. So I think that that Notre Dame is going to be in a better place for that. It's like the short term with the with the Reese departure is just, you know, again, what exactly the offense is going to look like. But I, I think that that ultimately is going to be OK for Tyler Buckner. I mean, there's a bigger impact because of next year, right? Like like they were planning on him being the quarterback next year. And so now there are decisions that are going to have to be made, not only this year from bringing in a grand transfer quarterback, but are you going to have to go back to the portal this off season and do that again because of the fact that you're going to have completely inexperienced quarterbacks potentially going into next year, depending on what happens this year. Like we don't know how this season is going to shape up, but so I think Buckner has, has the uh, the bigger long-term impact than Tommy Reese is going to have. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fill in the blank. It's blank that former Irish safety Kyle Hamilton tweeted the other day that Buckner can win the Heisman Trophy. I would say it's slightly delusional that Kyle Hamilton <laughs> tweeted that because is there a possibility? Sure. There's always a chance that something might happen. I mean, there's a chance that, you know, Audrey Estimate could win the Heisman this year. Um, there's there's a chance, but I, I just don't really see it because it's, you know, Tyler Buckner's never been a full-time starter. He's coming into a, a brand new team, a brand new, you know, like everything is new for him right now. The only constant is his offensive coordinator. So I think that kind of settles him uh, down just a little bit. But it's 
it's it's delusional. It, it's pretty optimistic. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just you know he hasn't proven that he's going to be an elite quarterback. Like Sam Hartman definitely has a higher chance than someone like Sam Buck or sorry Tyler Buckner does um, at this moment. So I'm I guess I'm just a little bit confused. You know, like kind of where that came from. To be honest, because it's like of all things, that's kind of what you say. You know, overall about the situation. And sure, like. Does he have the potential to be great? Yeah. And has he shown kind of flashes here and there? Sure. But he has to be much more consistent against an elevated, you know, overall play. Like the SEC is no joke. He's going to be against, you know, faster defenses. Um, he's going to have better athletes himself, but it's it's just overall going to be tougher for him. And it's in a very short span um, of time. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. I could win the lottery, you know, like, I could invent a better mousetrap. You know, it's like, let's go down the list. I mean, saying he could win the Heisman Trophy is kind of like, you know, when you hear reporters say, well, he could be named the head coach as soon as tomorrow. You know, it's like, theoretically, they all could happen. But it just doesn't mean that it will. You know, like, just by going to Alabama, I guess you could say that Tyler Buckner has a better chance of winning a Heisman than he did at Notre Dame, you know, because like everyone who goes to Alabama has better odds to win the Heisman, like go to Alabama or play quarterback for Lincoln Riley. You've got a better chance to win the Heisman trophy right away because Saban has what four, I think in his time there at Alabama and Lincoln Riley has three Heisman winners after Caleb Williams last year. So, you know, it's like, it's saying something, but it's not really saying something. Yeah. The guy's got a lot of talent, but every quarterback who's playing at this level has a lot of talent. You still got to go out and show that you can actually do it. So I completely agree with you. Like I would like, if I were betting right now, who's got the better chance to ever win a Heisman Sam Hartman in his one year at Notre Dame or Tyler Buckner in his potentially what three years at Alabama, I would still shift the chips over to Hartman right now, just because Hartman has shown that he can actually play the position, you know, nothing against Tyler Buckner, but the guy still played one full season of organized football in the last five years. And he's got a lot to show that he can do it at this level because he had some opportunities last year. He had a nice Gator bowl, but that is the sum total of his work right now. So it's a pretty big stretch to go from that to saying, yeah, he could win the Heisman. A lot right. of talent. A lot of talent. Got to show you can do it. Let's shift back to some NFL. Which of the quarterbacks drafted over the weekend intrigues you the most? Um, <laughs> So I think that C.J. Stroud is in the best situation. Um, I like what he what what he's what he has in the Texans. I think the Texans did great of getting their quarterback and then also getting, you know, probably the top defensive player um in the draft as well but overall the one that intrigues me the most is Anthony Richardson with the Indianapolis Colts and where he was selected and then being so high on him because I don't think that he's ready right now but he's definitely got the tools and the ceiling to go there and then you pair that with kind of you know their new head coach and his overall thinking of you know his time um in Philadelphia so it fits like it fits kind of what he's looking for I think it's a good landing spot for Anthony Richardson to give him the best possible you know situation of, of succeeding in the NFL. Um, so I'm just most intrigued to see how that goes because the Colts haven't gotten it right at quarterback ever since Andrew Luck um, prematurely retired. So just, you know, new quarterback, 
new, you know, head coach with an offensive background, thought philosophy, just interested to see, you know, how all of that kind of pans out and, and works together. It, Richardson to me, Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis is the most intriguing. Like, like I'm not putting a whole lot. I think CJ Stroud will ultimately be okay down there in Houston. I'm not putting a whole lot on this season. I'm not putting a whole lot on this season for Anthony Richardson either. I don't even know if he'll play this year. I mean, they brought in Gardner Minshew because he's got the familiarity with Shane Steichen. But, you know, like you texted me, you know, like after the Colts picked him, like, what are they doing? You know, it's what are they doing? And they rolled the dice big on, you know, going all in on a talented guy who has a sum total of 24 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and completed just 54% of his passes in college. He's a great athlete, but he obviously, Steichen, the Colts' new head coach, feels like coming off that Jalen Hurts experience, like that that he can replicate there that with, with this guy, Rich. I am fairly – I'm more like seeing some of the stuff on the NFL Network. Like I don't know if you saw the stuff that he did with um, Steve Mariucci some of the the chalkboard type stuff like the guy is is really sharp and there's a lot of talent but it seems like teams have gone all in on this kind of quarterback based on Josh Allen and you know what the Bills were able to get out of him or have been able to get out of him and like you look at the fact that Josh Allen has improved his completion percentage from college to the NFL that doesn't happen a lot you know, like we talk about outliers. He's an outlier in that form. So it's a really talented athlete, but I'm I'm really intrigued to see if if Steichen can actually turn him into a a fully capable and productive NFL quarterback. Yeah, it's same. And I, that it's just how how are those things going to marry together is just mm-hmm. very intriguing going down the road. And it's just like the Colts are kind of in a a complete rehaul, uh, I guess you would say. Yep. But I mean, they also have Jonathan Taylor too, so it's like they can, you know, in in Richardson's development, they can still sort of rely on that run game as as you know, assuming that their offensive line can hold up like they did a few seasons ago. Yeah, exactly. They, they've got Jonathan Taylor. I mean, there's there's a lot there. That's for sure. Fill in the blank. Aaron Rodgers is now a New York Jet. But the fact that the Packers have had more than 30 consecutive years of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers at quarterback is blank. It is like finding a pot of gold at the end of the (laughs) rainbow because no one, no sports franchise is that fortunate to have, you know, we're talking any professional sports team really to have the premier, you know, Athlete of a team, the quarterback is the most important position. You know, at a basketball team, it, there are more Im- positions that are more important than the other. But to have the guys, you know, for 30 straight consecutive years, not having to worry about, you know, your quarterback and two guys are going to go to the Hall of Fame and, you know, just it, 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 going down the list, it's just like no one has been that fortunate, I don't think, in sports history of just having that consistent well, play at the position that matters the most. Yeah, I mean, the closest thing to that is the 49ers going from Joe Montana, <clears throat> excuse me, to Steve Young. But even that was a much shorter period of time. I mean, I mean, you're talking about at the like around 
20 years total, you know, something like that, because Young was a little bit older by the the time he finally got to take over at quarterback. And, you know, an Irish Shaitan, of course, is a Chicago fan, and he says it's unfair, but it's it's completely unprecedented. Like, think of the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs, it took them, what, close to 50 years to get from Len Dawson to Patrick Mahomes and, you know, all the the ups and downs that they had at quarterback in between. And like Dan Marino retired, the Miami Dolphins, like it's been two decades at this point. So, you know, something like that since Dan Marino retired and the Dolphins are still trying to figure out the quarterback position and you can go on and on and on. No one has been able to make that kind of handoff to go from one to the other and have three plus decades of Hall of Fame quarterback play. But at the same time, like the one negative in that is how do you how do you have 30 years yeah Johnny Unitas to Peyton Manning you know for for the Colts and you know like the Colts were fortunate like think of like they almost had it with Andrew Luck if Andrew Luck hadn't had the injuries because of you know like their whole situation like think of how different the Colts organization would be right now but the one negative with the Packers is how do you only win two Super Bowls in 30 years with those two guys as your quarterbacks, you know, like you had great quarterback play for 30 years, both of them, Hall of Fame. You only won two Super Bowls out of the whole deal. So I don't think you're going to find too many Bears fans crying about that, though. <laughs> Major League Baseball, sticking on football, Major League Baseball did a draft lottery this year, like the NBA has been doing for years, trying to cut down on tanking. What about the NFL? Do you buy or sell the idea of the NFL ever going to a draft lottery? I buy it, and I buy it for every professional sports league. I think that every professional sports league should have a lottery system specifically, you know, for this reason. You know, the the just because you're the worst team and that you can, you know, probably tank uh, your way towards the bottom, uh, I think that, you know, that there should be some sort of system where you're not necessarily guaranteed the number one pick. You have the best odds. Um, but it's like, you know, the NBA has a ping pongs. You get ping pong balls. You get the most amount of balls uh, if you're the worst. And then the second worst team gets the second most and then et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I I'm I I think that in order to prevent taking that there should be some sort of lottery system. And it's not it's not fair to teams who are generally just bad, but it's also not fair for teams that have enough talent to not be, you know, at the bottom of the league just because of they've essentially given up and want a higher draft pick. Yeah, I mean, if you had a lottery this year, if there if there was a lottery in place, it would have changed this year's draft potentially quite a bit because even though Levy Smith did, you know, the reverse tanking with you know on the last day of the season by beating the Colts, that move automatically gave the Bears the number one pick. And of course, the Bears traded the pick to the Panthers. You know, if there's a, a lottery in place, the Texans still could have had the number one pick or the Cardinals or you know, the Lions or whoever would have been, however, you know, many teams they wanted to throw in that mix for a lottery. So, you know, like in that case, like with, you know, again, like you go back to that Houston Colts game on the last day of the season, how those teams play that game, it it changes quite a bit and it changes for a lot of different teams as well. So like, I've always thought if you're the worst team, you should get it, but Like the NFL is so different from those other sports, it seems like, because I don't think you've had 
teams truly tank from start to finish like you've seen, you know, like when the 76ers were going through the process and the Chicago Cubs tanking for multiple years when they were building it up prior to 2016. You know, like the NFL, you've never really seen teams do that. So I don't know if I'm completely sold on it, but at the same time, I do think that it, at the very least, it it does help discourage some of that gamesmanship that you get at the end of the season where you can just say, hey, you know, we're going to play all our reserves out there today, whatever it happens to be. I wanted to sneak in a quick question for you real quick, if you don't mind. Okay, I was going to throw one in on, on you as well. What kind of, we got a few more minutes here. I was going to throw an extra one in on you, but you go <laughs> ahead first. Um, I feel like, you know, we're, we're nearing the end of the, the college baseball season. Um, I want to know how confident you are with 10 games remaining that Notre Dame can find itself back in the NCAA tournament this season. You know what? They've, they've started to turn a corner and... They're third in their ACC division, and they have right. a big series with Boston College at the end. I think that's ultimately going to be the biggest, I think, aspect of this season is that last series with Boston College. Yeah, and I mean, their, their turnaround kind of started with that series win over Louisville, their first ever home – not yeah, first ever home series win, but, you know, then they lose two out of three to North Carolina. After that, you know, they've still dropped some series, Swept. but – uh, the, the Virginia sweep, the Virginia sweep seems to be where, where it really kickstarted, you know, and then taking two out of three from Lincoln and Florida state. I'm, I'm starting to buy in on them. You know, they're, they're in the ACC. So they're in a good conference. Obviously they're eight games over 500 right now. They're a couple games over 500. I, I'm, I'm, I'm buying in, you know, they're not going to get any uh, strength of schedule help when they play Akron. <laughs> coming yeah. up in, in Northwestern. And their, their bowling green game today got canceled. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're in a position where they really, they, they really need to string these wins together. Like the, the end of the schedule here, two or three from NC state sweep yeah. Akron and take two or three from Boston college. Yeah, exactly. And then you're going to have to win probably a couple games at the ACC tournament. I think they've got a really good Shot, and I'm actually working on a baseball guest for this week. So fingers crossed, we'll see if it happens. But uh, how about doing good? Otsi though, hitting a home run with a broken hand. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's insane to me. I saw that the other day, and I was like, wow. Or then you know you get uh, the I can't remember the guy left-handed. I think he plays first base. Who's just been crying? I mean, he had two home runs in a game, and then he had a grand slam in the game before that. It's just the, the offensive production has been kind of off the charts recently. It has. It's picked up. And usually that happens when the sun shines and it's a little <laughs> bit warmer here in South Bend, but it's still just been crap weather and they've still been playing pretty well. So, yeah, I'm feeling like if I'm going scale of one to 10, my confidence, I'd give them a six and a half probably yeah. right now. Really want to see what they do against NC State this weekend. And like you said, after after that, You've only got Boston College at the end with those with those uh, midweek games sprinkled in as well. They're they're Pretty getting cool here that they get the end to, of the schedule. They get to play Northwestern and Wrigley, and then they get to play Boston College uh, in Fenway in the same week. That's like every kid's dream. I feel like. Yeah, exactly. That would be that that would be uh, <laughs> very cool. Couple bookends <laughs> there, Fenway and Wrigley for sure. Did you uh did you watch the Celtics 76ers last night by any chance? I 
did. Um, I, I was in and out until about the fourth quarter, and then I watched all of the fourth quarter. Did you get the uh, Kevin Harlan, Maxi stole the ball call? Did you hear that? Yes, I did. I thought that was uh, – Do you know it, the that... reference on that? That's what stood out to me was, you know, Johnny Most, the legendary late great Boston Celtics announcer, he had um, – you know the uh, the iconic Avlicek stole the ball. It was in the it was in the 1960s in the playoffs. It was Celtics against the 76ers, and so Harlan goes, Maxi stole the ball last night. Never would have got the reference, but I'm glad someone did. Yes, <laughs> well, there was. I, I, I saw mean, that was the turning point Twitter of that game, up as well. Yeah, that was the turning point of that game. It was. It was. And then you know. Um, years later, there's a steal by Bird was uh, was another Johnny Most call in the Garden against uh, Isaiah Thomas. I think the, the Garden had you its should, worst you should 24 that. hours in in a very long time with Boston losing uh, in the NHL and seven to Panthers, and then turning around the next light next night and getting upset by the Sixers uh, in Game One. It was not a good 24 hours to, for the TD Garden. Yeah. Shytown said that uh, you make him feel old. And you know. <laughs> that's usually, I mean, but you're like an encyclopedia. You don't forget <laughs> things. So it's really unfair. Yeah. Well, and one of my, one of my, I had a group of, of uh, four guys back in my army days who were all from the Boston area. And so like, I, I used to, I used to hear, you know, the, uh, it is especially, you know, that was in, in the eighties when bird was in his heyday. And so I had to hear about the freaking Celtics all the time and, and all the, all the stories about them. Good times. Last question for tonight, fill in the blank. It's blank that Vince Vaughn is making a dodgeball sequel 20 years after the original It's long overdue. And I think that it either goes one or two ways. Most like sequels do either, why did we do this or why did they do this? Why are they, you know, tainting the legacy of the original or, you know, what took so long to make two because one was so great and two is, you know, potentially even better. So I'm curious to see where it goes, but I think it's long overdue. And at the end of the day, um, it, like what could really go wrong? Like it's, it's, it's dodgeball. Right. And so I'm sure it'll be great. And if Vince Vaughn is uh, leading the charge, I'm sure it'll be, you know, just I mean, as funny as the first one. That run for Vince Vaughn back in the early 2000s, he went old school dodgeball wedding crashers. And then he had the cameo in Anchorman as well mixed in like like that, that version of Vince Vaughn like that. And like going back to swingers in the in the mid 90s, double down Trent from swingers like that is vintage Vince Vaughn, like the fast talking, you know, spitting the game and all that kind of stuff and I, i'm really curious to see what they do with this as well especially 20 years down the line like how they spin this because like really you think about it other than vince vaughn and ben stiller like pretty much everyone in that movie like i would think that they you know can like make some time to, you know to to reprise their roles in this in this uh little sequel but sequels 20 years later like that it's I don't tough. Know. It's overdue. Know. Like you never know. Do you remember by any chance seeing it for the first time? Do you? Re yeah, we were in a movie theater in Kansas. No, we were here in town. You're, I thought you're my closed. grandpa was there. 
He was, but we were at the Dollar Theater here in town, and I still remember when Patches O'Houlihan throws the wrench, and he's, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And I think he hits Justin Long in the in the face with it. You and your grandpa, my dad, were about rolling, because you would have been like, what, seven or eight probably yeah, at that point. You young. two practically hit the floor rolling in the movie theater <laughs> when that happened. It was a great scene. It was a family moment. <laughs> the first dodgeball. Yeah, I'm really curious to see where he goes with this. I hope that it even comes close. It's like the fact that they're doing, you know, cause like they've also talked about, you know, like a wedding crashers sequel and like old school and, you know, all those different things. I don't know where you go with it 20 years later, but I hope they have Jason Bateman back in it too. Um, What was his name? Pepper. Oh yeah. The, uh, the TV announcer. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well, yeah, and there's there's that one too. Vince Vaughn, you just summed up your entire sorry career in one sentence. Tyler, <laughs> misguided passion, Bengi. <laughs> All right, Jess, good luck in your basketball game tonight. Don't foul out. No technical fouls. Don't <laughs> try my true, hardest. Don't be the true Draymond. All right, we appreciate you guys for joining us and gals for joining us tonight. As always, hit the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast channels. Leave us a five-star review. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you tomorrow on Ivy Nation Sports.